Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to take a look back at a busy final round of Premiership action. Eddie Jones' England squad and we'll be speaking to Bristol second row and England international Dave Atwood ahead of the Premiership semi-finals. So lie back, make yourself comfortable, make sure you're subscribed to Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Don't forget, we have our sold-out live show coming up next week at the Clapham Grand. You can still register to watch the live stream from the Clapham Grand and get a free crate of eight beers from Beer52 to keep you company. Just go to dice.fm and search for the Rugby Pod to book your place and use the code RugbyPod at beer52.com to claim your free case of beers and get yourself set up for a cracking night in with us on the 23rd of June. How's your week been, boys? How are you, son? <laughs> How the hell are you? Listen to the positivity. Better. Lazarus? I would not say Lazarus, no. Um, so let's get a few things. Let's get the formalities out of the way. Ben Nevis didn't happen, right? So Pulled out of another one, didn't you? Again, third time. Fourth time. I don't even know. It's embarrassing now. I'm happy to hold my hands up and say it's embarrassing. But what can you do? Now, there's a blame. Every, every time there's a blame, there's a claim. We'll come on to the claim later. The blame is, I'm going to call this guy out, friend of the show, Stevie Ferris. So I spoke to him before we did the podcast last week and said, mate, look, my bat's fucked. What do I need to do? And as we know, Stevie Ferris has got arms like legs, but he's also had bat problems, right? And he's bold. Not that that matters, but we'll just add that in there anyway. So Stevie (laughs) said, you need to stretch it out. So before the podcast, I'm stretching it out and like squeezing against the kind of pain and the, and the, the alignment, I was out of line, so I was trying to push myself back in line. Next thing I felt, I popped before the podcast. I was like, all right, well, feels a bit better. Couldn't walk for three days. And don't I know it, Jim? Did it, have I been moaning? I mean, literally every... So you've been, you're on your back. Let's set the scene. You've been on your back for three days last week, and all you can do is play with your phone. You can't play with your kids. You can't get up and do any work. You up can't 30%, walk out there. Up 30% screen time. The amount of messages that are coming through, the pictures, the best bit... Videos. I'll share this with the millions. So Jim's been on his back for three days. I'm like, mate, how are you going to the toilet? Like, is, is the missus having to like, hold you over the toilet? Like, 
help you in any which way. And he sent me a, a video of him peeing into a protein shaker cup because that is the only way he can go to the toilet. So. <laughs> because they are the I, longest cups. Exactly. <laughs> and my goodness, I, if I thought it was small before, Jim, when your disc goes in your back, it gets even smaller, doesn't it? What, what's that it's, about? It's fear. It's like fear mode. It's like I always said, if my pants got ripped off in a rugby match, right, it would be worse than Paul Scholes. You may as well call me Jane. You ain't calling me James. You're calling me Jane. And... I, look, I, I, comedy had to get me through. Now, on the Monday when we recorded the podcast, and thanks to Stevie Ferris, on the Tuesday, no word of a lie, I, I was crawling. You know that Wolf of Wall Street where he's crawling to the car because he's had a lot of chemicals in his system? Mine was obviously <laughs> yeah, very, very different. Very different. I, but, but it looked very similar, is what I'm saying. So I'm crawling down the stairs like a snake, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> even lift myself up to, to go to the toilet. So... Obviously, I've gone in the protein shaker cup because it's extra long. And as you do, you video it and send it to your mates, do you not? Because <laughs> that's, that's what us normal lads do. So look, I'm, I, acceptance, as we know, is the first step to recovery. Now, I've just had to accept that I'm struggling. So a couple of back scans lined up this week, an epidural maybe. There's a few shout outs, but I'm not giving the shout outs to the people that have helped me until I am up and not walking because I, I walk today and people are honking the horn. Obviously, podcasters are shouting stuff out the window. What have you got up there? <laughs> Talking about. <laughs> and, and I'm laughing now. I can laugh because I'm not in that much pain. But I'm just, I can't even turn my head left or right. I'm just literally walking like in, not that I walk well anyway, but anyway, uh, lads, I think I'm on the mend. I think I've got an epidural lined up. I'm not too sure. I don't want to forward think the process of treatment that i need but thank you for your concern you i mean every message that i send to both andy Rowe and you goody it's so sympathetic like you genuinely genuinely from your heart is it bollocks write back and say how are you but for the millions of people asking and that have reached out and offered me any anything and everything from insoles to swiss balls to massage gels Thank you. The best bit about the week was when Jim was telling me the story of, uh, I said, mate, you know, our raging is back because you ain't the best at the best of times in terms of being helpful around the house, are you? Let's be honest. You're, you're a worker. And when it comes to that, the house chores and the kids, that's not your genre, is I'm it? I'm a hooverer. My genre okay. is the hoover. So <laughs> okay. I, I go around hoovering everything up, the kids' pants or whatever, because I can't bend over. So everything gets hoovered up, which I've not been able to do for a couple of weeks. I'm sat there thinking, A, I, bet, I know Becky's an absolute saint for putting up with what she puts up with you, with you. But I said, like, is she helping you out as well? And then Jim tells me the story that as she's trying to help him put his box shorts on, she just starts laughing at him. <laughs> And you, you tell the story. <laughs> I can't go into the details of what's said in my house, but all I can say is the word burnt conquer was used in the <laughs> sentence. <laughs> oh, so shout out to Beck. She's given us a giggle this week in, uh, in our house. But I should say, back pain, amongst all the things that I've had, I'd say this is the most pain. And like, like, as you know, Andrew, I don't know whether because I'm aging slightly that I'm less of a warrior. I'm all right with pain. I like a moan, but generally no, I'd get go. on with it. But I'm telling you now, the back, the back pain, oh my goodness me, complete debilitation. But look, I'm still standing better than I've ever been. <laughs> what a voice. Let's just be clear, Jim. You promised the world and time after time after time. Just join my world and just say you can't do it because you fucked. Just on them challenges, Andrew. 
Yeah. We've given FNL Mike a shout out, haven't we? we? A couple of weeks in a row. The poor bugger. The poor bugger is three days in from Edinburgh Castle to Windsor Castle last week. Goes to Costa. Gets himself, probably knowing FNL Mike, it would have been a triple frappuccino with cream and whatever on top with a plastic straw. He ain't bothered. Goes in with the other lads, gets himself a frappuccino, sitting outside, lording it up, thinking, right, I'm halfway through. Wakes up the next day, and I'm following them on my back. I don't know if I told you that I was on my back all last week. I'm following him on the track thing, the Garmin thing, and he's done a circle. And I've texted him and said, mate, like you're going the wrong way. You're going around in circles, trying to give it a bit, a bit of banter from the floor. He says, oh, no, I've just had a message come through from NHS Track and Trace. I've got to self-isolate because I've, I was in close contact with someone in Costa. Oh, about three days, into a, uh, three days into a, a massive fundraising bike ride and you get that news. And I just said to him, FNL, that was it. Goody, how was your weekend, mate? Yeah, not bad, actually. Farm? Uh, back to work. Huh? Farm again? A uh, different farm. We went to a different bloody, farm this week. You bloody love, love the it. farm. Yeah, kids love the farm. We went to a farm on Sunday. But yeah, it was good again. Mrs. woke up really happy Saturday morning. I thought to her, I said, yeah, you, you know, things are good. The sun's out. You, you're happy. Why are you so happy? You know when your missus is really happy trying to work out why? And she no. said, do you know why? No. <laughs> well, not, with, not in your house. And she said to me, I, I said, why are you so happy? She said, do you know why? I said, go on, tell me. She said, because you're fucking off up to Coventry all day to work. And I'm on my own with the kids and it will be absolute bliss. So she was happy to see me off. I was up to the Andy Good suite, which was absolutely rammed again on Saturday uh, at the Rico Arena, soon to be known as the Coventry Building Society Arena. It's got a real ring to it, that, hasn't it? I've got a Coventry Building Society account. It's got £3 in now. I double-checked just for this podcast just to make sure I had my facts right. If anyone was trying to rob me, there's nothing in there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was great. Obviously, Wasps against Leicester. Um, so good to have fans back at the stadium. Um, a bit of banter pre-match with uh, Joe Launchbury and Paolo Adogru, who uh, came in his culture clothing which I thought looked like fancy dress. So I gave him a dog's abuse for that, which he wasn't very happy with. And he said to me, I haven't got anything in quadruple XL for you, Goody. So um, no free stash coming from his clothing range, let me tell you. We'll come on to the premiership in a minute, but Eddie Jones named his England squad for the summer's tests against Scotland A, USA and Canada on Thursday. What do you guys make of it? Young, young and quite exciting. Uh, seeing some of the players, I think the big thing, obviously there's going to be players from Quinns, players from Bristols, players from uh, Exeter uh, and players from Sale that are added to the squad over the next couple of weeks as they get knocked out of the Premiership or the Premiership ultimately comes to an end. So, um, but yeah, some really exciting players. Dan Kelly at Leicester, we, you know, we've spoken about him previously. You know, he played really well again at the weekend against Wasps. He was good. So looking forward to seeing him play the likes of Hassel Collins and Radwan and Freddie Stewart in the back three. They're, these are the sort of players that will get game time hopefully against Scotland Day um, and probably put 60 points on them. Um, and that builds then into oh, the two God. test matches. Sorry, Jim. Sorry. It's but, you okay. Know, it's true. It's, um, well, it, it might not be. So, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's there's loads of places that are in the England squad. In my opinion, there needs to be more competition. Scrum half's one as well. Obviously, Ben Young's has got, I think he's about 109 caps now or something. Um, you know, but we've never really seen anyone else push him. Danny Care was there. Oh, sorry. Well, allowed to, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Dan Robson, it's an opportunity to see him start. Obviously, Ben Spencer's there as well, Alex Mitchell. But Eddie Jones, all of a sudden, he starts listening to the podcast, he starts changing his tune, and he starts thinking, actually, I've got to make some changes. I need some young blood. I need to play a more attacking brand of rugby. So to all England fans, you're welcome. 
And the what the one big thing is we're seeing these players excelling and, and playing an exciting brand of rugby in the Premiership, which Eddie Jones has always said isn't relevant necessarily to international rugby, which I get to a certain degree. But you're now picking these players, Eddie, because they are exciting, because they have got the talent, you know, they have got the ability to beat people one on one. Hassel Collins has beaten, you know, more defenders than anyone else at London Irish this year, and he's right up there in the in terms of the league rankings. So allow them to flourish in an England shirt. Don't put the shackles on them and, and play kick chase. That's what you want to see. So loads of exciting talent. Um, no doubt the likes of Don Brandt and Marcus Smith will be added to it as well. And, and hopefully Eddie lets the boys play with a smile on their face and gives them freedom. And Ireland have named their squad for the summer too now. Cooney misses out through injury along with uh, Ross Byrne, but and Sexton's been rested. So a chance for Carberry and Billy Burns to vie for that 10 spot. Well, it was nice that John Cooney, a friend of the show, we've not had him on for a while, we've just let him get on with his ruggers and push his way back in. He's been really good for Ulster, actually. But it's nice that he got a mention, is what I'm saying, because yeah. he's obviously been out of the mixer and they only mention players that would have been up for contention if they are injured. So um, I'll have a look at some of the forwards. Ryan Beard. Now, I mentioned him about a year ago. Oh, my try. He's phenomenal. I'll tell you now, he is going to be one of the standout players in world rugby. And I don't want to get overboard on players. Obviously, James Ryan's captain of the the tour, but this Ryan Beard, mate, is phenomenal. Let's give a few other lads a shout out. So some uncapped players. Paul Boyle, uh, Susan Boyle's son. He's not really. Uh, <laughs> back row, fantastic player. Gavin Coombe scored four tries at the weekend for Munster. He's, he, yeah. he's going to be proper. He'll go all the way through. Um... Tom O'Toole and Nick Timoney, both quality players. Love Tom O'Toole, the Ulster prop. Hell of a, hell of a tool uh, on him as well, mate. Hell of a tool on him. Apparently not. Apparently a bum bag. <laughs> I don't want to stereotype, but apparently so. Uh, who else have we got? So in the backs, friend of the show, Stuart McCluskey. You, look, and, and there's obviously a load more good you can chat about as other ones that you want. The strength and depth of Ireland, this is the thing of coming through. Obviously, we can look. We've just spoken about England and gone through their players. We're heavy on the Premiership on here because we watch a lot of the Prem. The Pro 14 sometimes difficult to judge in terms of the players. Leinster have got the first, second, third, fourth string team, but there's some proper talent coming through the ranks, especially in the forwards of Ireland. So um, the headline out of that is that Johnny Sexton's being rested uh, to try and have a full preseason at the age of 35, 36. But um, yeah, I think the big news on it in, the, in terms of the backs is obviously Jerry Carber. Obviously, he went to Munster to go and get some more game time and really put pressure on Johnny Sexton for that 10 shirt. He's had a load of injury troubles. He was going well and then he got injured. So, you know, him and Billy Burns vying for the 10 spot. But, you know, Joey Carberry is a proper, proper threat now to the the, the reign of, of Johnny Sexton as the 10. And, you know, I've got a lot of time for Sexton, but at some point you do have to make that transition. And, and um, Sexton will probably want to hang around to the next World Cup. And if he's playing well enough, I'm sure he'll be involved. But Carberry is... Proper talent, so uh, looking forward to seeing him. Let's have a look at the Premiership now then, and the cancellation of Bristol v London Irish, as well as Worcester v Gloucester, made the maths and permutations a bit simpler. Leicester, Bath and Wasps were the teams to secure Champions Cup rugby in the end, weren't they? Oh yes, and the fact that Leicester and Wasps have both qualified for the Champions Cup, um, even though Wasps lost to Leicester at the weekend, is was, what was a game news. though, right? Hell of a game, hell of a game, mate. It was about 46 degrees, Costa del Coventry it was. 
Um, the pitch was, was looking stunning. The fans were back. As I said before the game, the Andy Goose suite was absolutely ramdingoed, but everyone was sat down with their masks on, following COVID rules. Eat out to take out to eat out, but don't eat but out. But don't eat out. Now with 19th yeah. of July. Andrew, did anyone ask for me in the Andy Goose suite or not? They didn't because know, Jim. I think, when you think, right, and this sounds mental, I think I was in there the last time it was open. Second last time. Oh, don't ruin Second it. Second last just, time. Well, we did the Prem final last, last year, didn't we? We did the Prem yeah, final but, last yeah, year. Well, you know what I mean? As in like, yeah. when things were like, tss, 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 like, you know, smoking Joes or smoking Joes or whatever. Like when life was life. Yeah. And it, it was that long ago that Saris were in the Premiership and they got dusted by about 60 points. So uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, uh, it was good. It was good to be back up there. But I mean, hell of a game. And, and you look at, that's the first time Leicester have won at the Rico Arena since the very first game, 2015, which I played in and had an absolute mare. Dan Cole, I pulled his shirt up over his belly in that game and he chased me around the whole pitch for the rest of the game trying to get my belly out. So, um, But yeah, it was yeah a brilliant performance by Leicester. A brilliant performance by Wasp as well. So exciting, chucking the ball around. Wasp made a few errors where they're really pushing the envelope to try and get silly offloads away a lot of the time, but that's their DNA. Leicester were... Um, really good, really impressed. Yeah. One thing for me, and and I know Freddie Burns, big friend of the show. You're um, going to say the same as me. Carcassonne bloke who's going to Carcassonne. Can you believe it? Go on, you go. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny McPhillips. Johnny McPhillips has played so well for Leicester this year and he doesn't just play at 10, he plays at fullback. But um, I spoke to some very important people at Leicester and they said it was, it was just a numbers game around the salary cap. Um, but he played really well at 10. Kelly was great in the centres. Matt Scott played very well. Mm. You know, one of the tries that those boys scored was, was ridiculous. Uh, and Wasp played well as well. Jacob Umunga's try was, you know, world-class, getting the kick and then stepping a couple of boys and, and the arcing run. It was a great game of ruggers. And I think the fact that they knew the London Irish game had been cancelled and London Irish were only going to get two points, which meant Wasps only needed to get a bonus point of some description um, to qualify for the Champions Cup next year meant they were going to go chase the four tries. It was touch and go for a while for Bath, but they did what they had to do against Saints. Yeah, i tell you what I did enjoy was Austin Healy, triple, quadruple, I don't know what if you've got five screens, what number that is, how you say it, fifth off screening. I did yeah. enjoy that and um, I only watched the highlights from that game, loads of tries, back and forth. Lucky for Bath. I don't want to be horrible. Lucky for Bath, to be fair, in the end. But Northampton plays some great ruggers. All I'm going to say is Josh Bayliss. Oh, my wheels. Unbelievable. Bath knew they had to get a losing bonus point or a four-try bonus point or something to get European rugby. It was all about one point for them. So they were staying tight to Saints. They're in the battle. Um, it was always a case that they were going to qualify with a bonus point. But to get the victory and then Bayless finish off their season the way he did with silly wheels, like ridiculous wheels. There were backs chasing him and he was just going further and further away from them. So um, they've had a bit of luck, haven't they, I reckon, Bath. And Wasps a little bit just because of some COVID cancellations. It would have been interesting to see what Gloucester could have done because they had a couple of... Um, games before where they were starting to hit some form but um, there it is the dust is settled and uh, you know Wasps, Bath and Leicester took the last three spots It was a hell of a game at Sandy Park as well wasn't it? My word I didn't realise if Sale would go into Sandy Park and got five points and Exeter got nothing then they'd get a home semi Yeah it was looking that way wasn't it? I couldn't believe it I, I, genuinely uh, Exeter went full noise Yeah, no one thought that Sale could go there and for 50 minutes, they looked unbelievable, didn't they? Physical. Um, we, we keep talking about um, Dupree and, and Faf de Klerk and AJ McGinty. It's, 
I, I, when I look at it, I'm like, can Sale win it, right? Defensively, we know that they can. We know Al Sanderson has brought something in it. Are there any flaws in their game? Their discipline, yes. And Al Sanderson mentioned this next bit was their set piece. Just yeah. struggled. Just Exeter turned the screw. And I think, I can't work out whether it shows how good Exeter are, the fact that they came back, or whether they're not as good as they were. And now teams have caught them up naturally and Sale are going to cause them problems. But if you listen to Al Sanderson's interview... He was proper serious after the match and the big thing for them losing uh, AJ McGinty and yeah. uh, Van der Merwe, the hooker as well, is, yeah, I, I, can't, I, I think that that's the game of the weekend for me. Obviously, both games are going to be quality, but I, I can see Bristol beating Quinns comfortably. Yeah. And um, But this one, I, I reckon Sailor got a chance. And obviously, Sam Skinner's going to probably get a decent ban, three or four week ban for his high shot on... Fafter Clerk, Dave Ewers has been cited, so we'll see what comes of that. Obviously, the citing commissioner thinks it by citing him, they're saying it should have been a red card. Um, so it now goes to the disciplinary procedure and, and see if he gets a ban. So, but the big thing for me for Sale is losing Aka van der Merwe at hooker. He gives them so much go forward. Now Langdon's a good player. Um, he's a great player to come off the bench when you need some energy, and his set piece is, is probably a little bit better in terms of line out throwing than Aka van der Merwe's. But McGinty's one, it looked pretty serious uh, in mm. terms of a knee. I don't know if it was ACL or something or medials, something like that. But to get stretched off, I, I, I can't see McGinty playing this week. And he has been integral to their success. Now, Dupree yeah. is a good player, but you go back to some of the touches and, and just the game management of McGinty um, over the last six, eight, ten weeks has been phenomenal for sales. So even if you do lose Ewers and Skinner, obviously extra have got players to come in uh, of decent quality that will have as big an impact as those boys. Whereas I think Sale, when you take AJ McGinty out and Aka van der Merwe, you're missing a massive mm. amount of physicality from van der Merwe. He gets them over the, the game line, you know, nine times out of 10 when he's touching the ball. And McGinty's class and, and game management and, and what he's produced in, in managing this team is could be missed as well. So I think it's an advantage Exeter, especially being at home. Yeah, I think Exeter... Just, but I want to see Sale. I want to see a change of guard because I love Al Sanderson. I love the way that Sale are playing. Obviously, Simon Orange is down, mates with his brother Jason, and I would like to see that. Bristol Quins. You want to win, Jim? Oh, oh, Bristol's (laughs) just because no. Why did you you have to think about it? Did you? Well, I was just thinking about how the game is going to unfold because you've got two teams that want to play, 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 but looking at the teams and whatever team Bristol field, and it's going to be interesting to see what their starting 15 is, especially in the back line. You know, does Max Malins play, you know, semi the Piatows and Quinns are a team that want to try and outscore you. Are you going to outscore Bristol's? That's the big question. And I'm going to answer it for you. I don't think that they will. Yeah. I think when you're looking at that game and there's a stat I pulled up on BT Sport a couple of weeks ago, Bristol's have got, the top three uh, defence and attack in the league in terms of tries scored and tries conceded. Quinns are up there in terms of tries scored, but tries conceded, I think they're down in 10th. So they've conceded a ridiculous amount. And when you're playing Bristol without firepower, um, the only thing is in that game, neither team has got history of winning semi-finals and then going on to the final, really. Quinns have a few of them, uh, but that was years ago. Bristol's got absolutely humped in the semi last year against Wasps, didn't they? Um, so that's a reminder to them that actually how well you play in the league is irrelevant. You've got to rock up on the day with these worldies that they've got. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a Bristol win by about 15. 
Well, it was Bristol who finished top of the table at the end of the regular season, and we can have a chat now ahead of the semi-finals with one of their key men this season. Bristol's England international second row, Dave Atwood, joins us. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so it's class to have you on. Weekend off, mate, let's get straight into that. When did you find out that you weren't going to be playing this weekend? Thankfully not, because it was about 40 degrees as well. The lads were hanging this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we found out in the, in the morning of the game. We, I mean, obviously, there were, there were a few rumours, a few things come out on Rugby Pass and stuff on uh, Friday night saying that um, there are reportings of uh, of COVID up at London Iris. So, obviously, given the, the gravity of the fixture for us, there was a desperation to figure out whether that was true or not. And then, yeah, we got uh, we got some messages on uh, on Saturday morning, kind of nine o'clock, saying, right, well, game's on, coming to work anyway, because obviously... We've tapered off training towards the end of the week, ready to play the game. You know, it's like professionals in these days. They're like, well, we're not going to miss an opportunity to train. So, no. Oh. Everyone come in. We're doing fitness. We're doing weights. We're getting No. Oh, no. Oh, no. I was going to say that's the worst news ever to say that because boys love playing games. But when a game gets canned and you get absolutely flogged or you're in the non-23 and you just get a flog in for the sake of it, it's literally the worst thing in the world, isn't it? And it was 40 degrees heat. Yeah. I, I thought Pat Lamb would be the sort of coach that would say, hey, lads, this is the best time ever just to get a load of beers in the change room and, and let's get to know each other even better. That wasn't the case. And he went for, he went down the flogging route, did he? Yeah, he went down the down the flogging route. I think so the guys who were, were down to play the game, some of the guys who'd clocked up a lot of minutes, they were uh, they were sidelined for the, the running flogging, but everyone was due to get some weights. And we did a bit of team building, a few games and activities in the afternoon, try and make something of it. But it was a bit disappointing, really. Thankfully, because we got home semi uh, obviously, coming this week, there'll be an opportunity to say goodbye to some of the guys leaving uh, more formally because that was something that obviously was planned for this weekend, but um, we uh, we might have missed out on. Yeah, on that, Ats, as well, I suppose there's a part with that. And again, I don't want to start opening other teams up and the way this whole COVID thing's worked. But you look at Gloucester, obviously played London Irish a couple of weeks ago. Like Arguably, you've escaped as well from not playing against London Irish in what is, brings me on to my next question, a massive couple of weeks for the club. Like to top the table, you lads have been phenomenal uh, this season. Apart from Semi, or maybe add him in there, uh, tell us some reasons why. Because looking at the way that you lads play in attack has been phenomenal. But I, I, I put a little tweet out about it, like at for England again. But the way that some of you lads are playing physically in the pack, I know Eddie listens. He said to uh, Goody, everything that we say, he's going to do the complete opposite. No, <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave us a nod of appreciation. But mate, why has it gone so well this season? Why has it been so good for Bristol? Um, I think it's been. It's- been a pretty upward trajectory since uh, since Pat took the reins four years ago. If you you look at the where where Bristol finished, obviously uh, coming up into the Premiership, finishing ninth and then uh, third last year, and then uh, we we finished the finished the league in first uh, this year. It's been an upward trajectory. That's mainly down to the philosophy of rugby that Pat plays, and I think to be honest, that's gained us a lot of credit in the in the neutral camps. A lot of people like watching us play rugby because. We're not, um, we're not necessarily always going to try and exert ourselves physically. We're not always going to try and offload out the back door and take quick lineouts and quick tap penalties. We, we'll try and mix it up and do a bit of everything. Let's rewind the clock a little bit further and go back to the week before last and the whole debacle slash talking points at uh, the back end of the Leicester game. Everything was centred around John Arfoa and what people perhaps didn't pick up on was John Arfoa's banter to Steve Borthwick that said, you won't be thanking me when I get the penalty, mate. Thug <laughs> Just life. before he's come back on. <laughs> yeah, I mean... There's obviously a bit of RG on the sideline and obviously Steve is uh, 
Steve's Steve's encouraging John to John to to step up and get on the field. And uh, John's a bit unsure, like most people were, about what what's going on, what's written on the card, what's he allowed to do, what's he not allowed to do, what should he do, what shouldn't he do. And um, Steve starts kind of congratulating John, maybe a bit prematurely, saying, "Yeah, well done, John. Well done. That's very good of you. Very good of you." In that kind of slightly kind of condescending tone. Um, yeah. And John, uh, John, obviously, I think you caught it on the on the ref mic. You just turns around and says, oh, you won't be thanking me when we get the penalty." Cheer, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I mean, it's brilliant. You you were sat next to him or pretty near to him at the time on the bench yeah. after putting in a shift and coming off. Were you like John, mate? Just sit down. We were, we weren't really sure what was going on because obviously, like the, the the scrum had been we'd been going pretty well in the first half, and obviously Johnny started the game and. Uh, he'd come back a week earlier. He was uh, he was out injured. Obviously, as you saw, he got injured against Gloucester. So he came back a week early. Um, he he hadn't passed all of his fitness tests and stuff like that. So the medical team, obviously, there's not enough time to tickle that off. So the, the medical team has sat down with Johnny and Pat and said, um, "What can we what can we get out of you?" Kyle Kyle Sink has tweaked his hamstring. He's not going to be available at all. Johnny's really not far away. Do we think we can get him into the game? Johnny's. Well, yeah, yeah, I can play the game. I can start the game for you, but it's I, you're lighting a, a half burnt candle kind of thing. It's, I'm only going to last so long, and well, you, you know what it's like when you get to 57 years of age. Uh, <laughs> you, your back stiff as a board, you, and that's before you've even started the game. And you oh, play don't sport. don't talk to Jim about backs at the minute, my God. Oh, I know what you mean. I, I played with that. See, so knows I was I was stiff as a board at 24. <laughs> so he's, he's played he's played half a game in the cauldron that is Welford Road. Then he's sat on the sideline for an hour. He's got half time. He's come off, sat still on the sideline in the bacon heat for an hour, not doing anything because he's been taken off for a reason of injury. So he's kind of hobbled out of the chair with a Zimmer frame. And uh, no one's really sure what's going on because obviously there's the uh, there's the the what's written on the card, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. We're we're hearing kind of through the through the, the mics and stuff that Ciali Pietas coming off because because obviously as far as Pat's concerned, John's injured, so that means we've got to go down to thirteen. So they're kind of making preparations for Ciali Pietas to come off, and then it kind of all hell breaks loose, and then John Afoa sticks two fingers up Steve Borthwick and charges on wins the scrum. So funny. <laughs> so funny. It's, it's got pay rise yeah. written all over it, isn't it? Yeah, one more year. One more year. <laughs> just just going back to what you were saying about Pat Lamb um, and his ethos around um, expansive rugby, was there anything that you came across with him that he said in particular uh, around his ethos where you're like, oh, geez, that's a bit, that's a bit out there. That's a bit, um, that's a bit expansive or that's a bit, it's a, you know, a bit too much. I think... Two things. Firstly, when I first met Pat, it was very, very clear that he was running the show. And I mean that uh, very respectfully, because I think that's the way a rugby club should. I think there should be one person and the pressure is on them. It's their philosophy. It's their their guiding light, their decisions on who does what, where. And I've been involved in a lot of uh, a lot of regimes uh, under different different management. And often it doesn't necessarily feel like the person at the top is the person pulling all the strings. It yeah. feels like they've kind of got some of the strings. So Pat's a Pat's a, a real authoritarian. He knows he knows what he wants. He's quite clear. The coaching staff underneath him underneath him are in complete alignment with what he wants to do. And any kind of confusion about anything, they're like, okay, Pat, what should we do here? Whether it's attack, defense, whatever, those conversations are going on all the time. The other major point to uh, factor in with Pat Lamb is all coaches 
will talk about the all-court game. They will say, well, when you're, when you're deep in your 22, it's high risk, high reward, because the defence have probably only got maybe 10 in the front line because they've got the fullback back, the wingers back, the, the, the outside centre on three and a quarter, the guy in the breakdown. They've maybe only got 10 in the front line, whereas you've got 15 guys to attack with. So there's no easier time to attack and breach the game line than when you're in your own 22. But the high risk, obviously, is if you make a mistake there, there's huge pressure. So Pat really, really, really emphasises the skill element to it. And every player, however old you are, once you come into the Bears fold, you're working on core skills, player skills, positional skills, team skills, passing, catching, decision-making, all of that kind of stuff is going on. Sean, Sean Marsden, our, our skills coach, he's running clinics from seven in the morning every single day of the week time to have a day off I used to play with Sean back in the day great bloke just no need for seven o'clock in the morning skills it's Pat's thing if you want if you, if you want a job you've got to do what Pat says <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so the guys are in and they're doing the skills and if you practice it obviously that risk goes right down which is why we we score so many tries from from out of the out of the deep out of the exit kind of territory because we work so hard on those on those skills to reduce that risk because you have to be able to punish teams in this in this league. It's so competitive. If someone gives you an inch, you have to take it and try and grab as much more as you can. Uh, so even in that, even when I'd started doing skills and I joined these skills classes, like these super skills classes at Saris, no fucker passed to me anyway to even do it. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't even test my skill set. And when we ever did offloading and the offload went on the floor, they were screaming at me, what the fuck is that? I was like, well, isn't it the time to try and practice your offload? Anyway, talking about Cowboys, and uh, I say Cowboys and myself, but different coaches that you've worked with, uh, talk to us about France and Toulon. I think we had a chat at the side of the pitch. I don't know whether I was still playing or I might have been doing the media. Your appetite to go to France and you played in Toulon, much difference between Toulon uh, and the Bougelau and uh, Bristol's and uh, the powers that be? Um, the, uh, in fairness, there was some kind of similarity between the ethos at the club and uh, the bath that I kind of left. I very much, obviously, you, you've all heard the stories about Murad Bougelau and how involved in training he gets, signing players and getting rid of players and on the sideline telling people what to do mid-match and stuff like that. There's kind of a sense of, uh, with with Bath that that was kind of going on a little bit behind the scenes. So that wasn't too dissimilar. But With the uh, Hoover guy? With the, the guy who sells nah, the Hoover? Bruce, a different guy. Bruce, oh, Bruce, was, it, Bruce Craig was watching it all on uh, on his CCTV from, from the south of France. Is Bruce Craig not the Hoover guy? James Dyson's the Hoover guy. So James Dyson. Hence the name. Hence the name. <laughs> and you said you do the Hoovering at home, Jim. Ironic that he's got the same name as the as the vacuum, right? So yeah, so, uh, yeah I've, I've always wondered that. Yeah, bizarre. Yeah, we've got Henry Hoover at home for the listeners who are wondering. Unbelievable with dog air. The big thing about that I, I picked up in France and a large part due to Fabian Gautier, who's obviously the, the coach down there who who saw my name on the available list and, and procured me down there. They kind of let the senior leadership run the rugby, as it were. They had some kind of input, but that Toulon team that I was involved with particularly had so many experienced people, people like Ma Nonu and people like Brian Habana and Dwayne Vermeulen and, and um, Juan Lobe, that they kind of run the systems. They kind of do things. And the coaches very much kind of facilitate the, the rugby happening on the other side. So that was an, a really exciting way for me to play because I'd very much come from the premiership, which, as you guys know very well, is very much statistical based. It, it's kind of 
pressure, statistics, what's the, the most effective way to play rugby. Whereas in France, the, the, the kind of the laissez-faire attitude, as it were, as stereotypical as it is, it's there for a reason. Like they are so expansive, they care about the beautiful game. And that comes out so much more in the way they play. And for, for someone who'd been institutionalised by the Premiership for, for 12 years or so, to get out there and suddenly have kind of the blinkers taken off and be like, oh, well, there's a different way to play the game. There's a different way to do this. That was that was really exciting from my point of view. And I feel like it's something that added a lot to me as a player before I came back. With Bujalau, that's when you were there. Was he on the sideline, cigarette in mouth? Just like, set, show us the narrative. Was he on the side of the pitch just... <laughs> yanking lads off I um well I, I basically I found out on the on the Monday they were like right I was on my way into the club to resign at the time in the car and I got um I got a, a phone call saying right well we've got an opportunity for you to go to Toulon are you interested and I was like well yeah that's slightly slightly more attractive I'll be honest than the London Scottish offer you you just shoved in front of my face yesterday the, the who uh, the London Scottish yeah wow. so uh, so I got and this, this was at Bath wasn't it this was when you were leaving yeah. Bath so I got on a got on a plane and I flew out to to the airport in Toulon and I got picked up uh taken to a seaside restaurant where I had dinner with Fabien Gautier at lunchtime it was about one o'clock in the afternoon lovely fish supper a couple of bottles of wine uh, back on the plane, go. He then went back to training, like two bottles of wine deep. He then went back and coached training. Oh, I've seen it before. I've seen it. <laughs> it's the same on the sideline. More, more ads there. Like a couple of bottles of beer deep, tabbing away. There's like a couple of the SSC staff in the tunnel, tabbing away. It, that it's just such a more relaxed approach to the game. And I understand that when you're looking the way that the the English game particularly is geared up, you look at marginal gains around physical performance, and we're we're talking about can you lift an extra two and a half kilos every weight session in the gym? All these kind of tiny metrics. Yeah, I get that. But at the top of the game, at the very top of the game, if you look at kind of the, the, the Saris team of three or four years ago, and the Bath team of three or four years ago, and the Lenser team of three or four years ago, if you look across that squad, physically, everyone's kind of there or thereabouts. There's no one who's got like, oh, well, they've got 27 players that are all jacked up, massive, quick as quick as anything. Like physically, everyone's there. The difference is upstairs. It's your, your ability to execute under pressure. And actually, I think their relaxed attitude of kind of enjoying the lifestyle, getting on with your life and not stressing too much about the, the marginal detriment that a cigarette before the game is going to have on you. Actually, they, they get a lot more performance out of it. Amen. So you've basically gone to France for the lifestyle, the you know the laissez-faire rugby attitude, the odd sig pre-match, and a load of euros. I mean, what a story! Or go to London <laughs> Scottish. There's no yeah, choice. Like go to London <laughs> Scottish for the rest of the time, and you just enjoyed that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just that. Right. What's going on, guys? Uh, got a dead well, I'd like you to put that in the bin. Can you go and get some pajamas on? <laughs> on this, on YouTube, please. Ask, do you always parent like that, or is this just for us? Because if it was me, I'd be, I'd go <laughs> on be saying, "What have I told you?" <laughs> I, I was going to say this, but before I got on, thankfully they were, they've gone outside and turned the sprinkler on, so I'd calm down a bit. But do you guys hate your kids? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. Not when the, not when the nanny's here. I don't know if I'm allowed to start and it be like I get a load of stick for it, but sometimes. Like I so this weekend I treated them a little treat because we got loads of pens and crayons and stuff like that. I bought a really fancy set of Crayola pens. Very excited about it. I was much more excited than the kids. And I come down this morning and they've rammed them all into the table. I've got ink all over the table. All the pens are completely bollocks. Uh, honestly, I, I was raging. I was like, "Oh, should we do some drawing?" They're like, "Oh, the pens are broken." 
<laughs> Actually, speaking to the wrong people. You're speaking to the wrong man. The way forward is just get a nanny. I, I, I'm i happily going to give mine a pay rise just after the weekend that we had with our kids. So, uh, mate, the nannies are key. Uh, but yeah, Jim. Uh, Jim or just I, ignore I, them. Jim, yeah, on, the, on, a, on a serious point, I've, I would advocate to any player that their partner has a has a child, then look at investing in a nanny or some Beck. full time. Because, <laughs> honestly, because the amount of impact it has on your performance is really noticeable. You see, you can speak to any of the medical staff, anyone who has a child guaranteed within six months is going to have some sort of injury just because of sleep deprivation, just because you, you most, most, not all, most rugby players are generally decent people. And as soon as they finish work, they'll try and get home to help out. Not all, some leave work, go straight to the golf course, loiter around a bit, then go home. But, but most try and help out as much as they can. And that kind of intent is very admirable. But like you're saying about you, 24 and your back was kaput. Like 25, my knees are kaput. Like everyone's carrying something that's that's an issue. And if you're not recovering properly, then you're going to fall apart. I think clubs should invest in nannies for people. There you go. Oh, so I, dispensation I, for I completely it. agree. I'm going to set up an agency for it. And, and what I'll say is, and we'll come on to Semi Randrandra now, because obviously you played with him. He's the sort of bloke that could say to the club, give me an open check and I'll play for you. Like the club will go, how much do you want? And they'll pay it. I'm like that with my nanny. If she walks in tomorrow and says, you need to pay me four times as much as you pay me. I'm like, you can have five. That's yeah. how important you are in our lives. So, so, uh, you are so vital. <laughs> I think, uh, do, you remember, do you remember Simon Danielli, uh, the, the former Scotland winger, the great, uh, yeah. who was at Ulster. So he was in his white Range Rover and he fell asleep at the park. So basically he took a detour to the park on the way home, fell asleep, reclined his chairs. Next thing, Mrs. has walked through the park with the kids Thought, hang on, what's Danzo? What's my husband doing in the car park? Knocks on the window. He's snoring. He's snoring in the in the driver's seat. <laughs> so he ain't, uh, he hasn't gone straight home. Adam Eustace. So this is this might be a dirty rumor. You probably know this one, Jim. But for uh, for years at Gloucester, the uh, the traditional day off would have been like a, a Wednesday, a, a down day, recovery day. And Adam Eustace never used to give the schedule to his uh, to his missus. And every Wednesday morning, he'd get all of his Gloucester kit on, all of his kit. He'd go and get in the car, wave her as he, as he went off to work, go and play two rounds of golf, come back at the end of the day, having changed back into his Gloucester kit, absolutely ball back. <laughs> Said, I'm knackered. <laughs> and then like, this has gone on for years. And then like year five, the team manager who's trying to kind of create a bit more of a team atmosphere has invited all the girls into like a WhatsApp group or something. They sent around a message. Oh, this is the schedule this week. We've got a bit of time off on Thursday or something. And she's like, oh, they've got a day off this week. That's unusual. Like, no, they have a, they've got a day off every week. Like, <laughs> Eustace, oh, what a legend lad. he was. Well, let's go back to the Ruggers then, mate. Let's talk about Quinns. Obviously, massive semi-final this week. Um, you've had a couple of decent ding-dongs against them this year. Um, obviously, the semi-final is at home. Um, you scored a try from 50 metres out in the league game, didn't you, or something like yeah, that? I think, I think you might have been offside or a knock-on or something like that, but... Um, how are you expecting the game to go? It's it's like versus like, isn't it? But maybe Quinns aren't as good and haven't got as much firepower as you boys, but they play in a way similar sort of ethos-wise to you guys. Uh, yeah, similar. I Certainly, they, they're one of the most expansive teams in the league, for sure. I think they are a bit more focused on we'll outscore the opposition as opposed to we'll beat the opposition. I think we would probably argue that we're more interested in beating the opposition than outscoring the opposition. I think a byproduct to that is often that we'll we'll score a lot of tries. That's great, 
but um, the I think one of the reasons why Harlequins is so dangerous is quite often it's certainly apparent that they throw caution to the wind and they will contest every every high ball. They will take quick lineouts, quick taps all over the place, and they'll back the the skillful players, the Don Brants and the the Danny Cares of this world to to get over the game line and make something really special happen. And they've got such good players that they can make that happen, which is why they're they're up in uh, up in the top four where they where they are. So it's going to be a very dangerous game from our point of view. I think it's one of those that if you're um, if you're not concentrating for for eighty minutes, it's only going to take one quick tap or one quick line out or, or one one slip up and suddenly they'll be under the sticks and because it's semi-final rugby it might just be that one mistake costs you the game so I think more than anything this is a game where we're going to have to really concentrate uh, and stay focused for the entire duration of the game which has been a uh, an area of uh, doubt for us over the season. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. And that's, we don't want to look too far into the future. Uh, I put a tweet out there and I've got 74,000 followers on Twitter now, so I'm quite influential. Um, England, 34. I thought you were younger than 34. Even though we played together at Gloucester, I had, yeah, I had this thing that you were younger than 34. Any chance? And look, I, I, look speaking candidly, I think you've been brilliant this season. Uh, I, I, everyone has, not just in how physical you are in the tackle, but you look fit. I mean, I can see your traps here on Zoom. I imagine you've got a bit of a pack coming through now. But also the way that Bristol was want to play, is there any chat? Is there any ambition at all? I know that Eddie probably want to take a younger team. Have you, have you spoke to him? There hasn't been any uh, any communication particularly. I, I've always said that uh, 
until uh, until I decide to to hang my boots up, that door's open, always always open as far as I'm concerned. I love to have that kind of conversation. There's no greater honour for me than than pulling on that the the white jersey for sure. But um, I've I've what's happened this season is a product of of where my life is at the minute. I'm I'm enjoying my rugby. I'm loving the way that we're doing things. The organisation is incredibly fulfilling off the field. Um, and that's kind of reflected for me on the field. I'm playing some really good rugby. I've got some great players around me. That always helps. Um, but I'm just enjoying what's going on at the minute. So if um, if Eddie needs an experienced head to come and guide the younger guys through, if they uh, if he needs a bit of grunt, if he needs one of uh, one of the Premiership Premier scrummaging second rows to come in and sort things out, then he's got my number. One thing people do say a lot about Bristol is the atmosphere and, and what goes on away from actually just the rugby. Can you give us some insight into what's different from your time at Gloucester, your time at Bath? It's really intriguing to hear that sort of attitude because you hear it as a throwaway comment from a lot of people, but about other clubs, I generally believe it about Bristol, whereas at other clubs, you perhaps wouldn't believe it as much. I think all clubs have the right idea. And every, I've never been at a club where they haven't said the right things. Every Every club generally says the right things but it's easy to talk the talk and it's very difficult to to actually do it that's the that's the crux of it and I think a large part of that comes down to recruitment Pat's very selective not just in the the talent that he procures but in terms of the kind of person that he procures as well and I think we're very fortunate in in Bristol with a lot of the senior players particularly the John Afoa, Siala Pietals, Steve Luatu, even even Chris Vui, people like that the the real senior stalwarts of the team those are the kind of guys that know where the line is. You've all we've all been on a team social where there's a few lads that kind of take things a little bit too far. Jim, it goes yeah, Jim. Having a bit of, you have a bit of fun, and then Jim Hamilton's throwing ice at someone across the bar, and then yeah, guilty, guilty, yeah. And now you're fighting in a car park. And those those kind of senior guys are very good at recognizing when to add a little bit of vibe and momentum, and when to actually pull back a little bit. And I think that's a product of recruitment much more so. I don't think you can ever just be like, right, lads, this, these are our buzzwords. This is what we're about this year. Let's let's make the ethos. Let's make it happen. I think a large part of it is you need to work at recruiting good rugby players who are decent blokes. And that will then kind of shine through in the in the philosophy and the, the, the way that it all melds together. And we've got, we're doing the same things that everyone else is. We've We've got fantasy fantasy football leagues and we play ping pong and we, we've got dartboards and all this kind of stuff, like the same as every other club around the Premiership. But we, we've we got a very social environment. We try and do things together a lot. And when we get opportunities to kind of let our hair down a little, a little bit loose, there are the right kind of people involved who ensure that we get to the point where we need to, but also that we don't step too far. And that helps kind of balance the squad out. And that that is very, very important in terms of stopping those rifts from creating. Because you know what it's like at the top flight of rugby, the, the haves and the have-nots, the, the the team that get picked on the weekend, and then the the, the guys and the, the Jim Hamiltons. More the Jimmy Cowans, I was thinking, the loose of the gooses. <laughs> and they, they, it's very easy for that to separate, and you kind of, yeah. especially after a beer or two, things to get to a bit fractious. And it's very important to keep tabs on that. And this environment, more so than any environment I've ever been at before, there's a real emphasis from the playing squad not just from the coach from the playing squad of you've kept me out of the team I'm happy for you I'm happy for the team because I'm pushing as hard as I can you've got the shirt you've got an opportunity to play on the weekend I'm happy for you and that's 
that's something that is very hard to generate and it's something that we're fortunate we've got in abundance. I'm just glad Ice Throne still goes on in bars, Jim. No, this no, this was circa 2010 <laughs> or 11 when you were... Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're allowed to do it. Uh, ask before you go, because you're a, a, philanthrop- a, a philanthropist like myself. <laughs> I can't even say I'll watch him. <laughs> a philanthropist. Basically, you're, oh, a, you're an intellect. You're an intellect like my good self, Ats. Um, uh, you trying to say I'm a philanthropist or a philosopher? That's the one. Both you, of them a, together. A, that a was... philanthropist, isn't that, Jim? What are you on about? <laughs> Whatever that word is, I thought I, I, I was or I am. I'm not, just call me the philosopher's stone. Ats, what are you doing outside of rugby? Because I don't think it's... Not that there's anything wrong with becoming a painter and decorator or bricklayer but you're doing some more academia am i right in saying yeah. that yeah yeah so before uh, before we crossed paths and you uh, you set me on the straight and narrow at, uh, at gloucester um i uh, i'd read an undergrad degree in physics and philosophy i have just completed i'm awaiting results for uh law conversion in fact i had my exams the week we played sail away i had three 24 exam 24 hour exams on the monday the wednesday and the friday so I woke up in the hotel in Manchester, got my exam at nine in the morning and started scribbling away. And then at kind of five o'clock, had to down tools, go and play the game in uh, in Saltford, finish the game, back in the changing room on my laptop, back on the bus on my laptop, finish the exam. So wow. I've been, thankfully, I've kind of through the other side of that now and uh, I'm looking to uh, get involved in some kind of legal capacity at the minute. I've got some opportunities at the minute. I'm representing uh, people at the, at the club at the minute. I'm trying to... Uh, trying to straighten all this business of the, the Leicester debacle uh, the other week out with that and helping help to try and kind of smooth that over and, and make that disappear nice and quietly. Um, but I've been in, I've been fortunate enough to be uh, able to represent a couple of the players in the squad for sighting hearings and stuff like that, uh, which has been a great experience for me, but a nice kind of precursor for life after rugby. It'd be nice to uh, to get involved in rugby in some capacity. Well, from one philosopher to a lawyer, then uh, would you, am I what what am I called a philanthropist? A, 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 a joker, Jim. Do you know what a philanthropist is? That's someone that raises money for charity. Oh, okay. um, so well, so that's completely wrong. He's an academic, Jim. You're a joker. Bottom line, I am done. very true. But as it was class having you on, mate. Right, nice to uh, nice to speak to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hats. Best of luck for the weekend. Thanks so much. Catch you soon. Cheers, Hats. Love that, mate. Top lad. Yeah. Mate, he really is a top boy, isn't he? It's still rocking at 34, but just hearing, he's he's happy to talk stuff, isn't he? You know, mentioned Gloucester when you're scrapping in a car park after lobby. Who did you lob ice on and then scrap in the car park? That's what I'm Well, like. someone threw ice at me, basically. Yeah. When I was at <laughs> Gloucester, <laughs> someone, someone's lobbed ice at me, and because I had a bit of a temper on me, I've thrown it, at, I just blamed whoever was laughing, and I threw it over that way. Next thing, a table goes up. Jimmy Cowan's got a pair of pants in his hand that he's ripped off one of the lads, and it, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Those were the days. But good to see that Ats has outgrown them days, but it gave him a, a strong foundation to become the academic that he is now. I cannot believe, I was thinking in my head, what am I? I'm a philanthropist. Why can't what? I say it? A philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> And Saracens will be back in the Premiership next season, Jim, after they won the first leg of their Championship playoff final against Ealing, 60 to nil away from home. You thought Ealing's defence was pretty good, though, didn't you? Yeah, hell of a tweet, Jim. Hell of a tweet, People Jim. thought hell I was taking the tweet. <laughs> it, I tweeted it after about 10 minutes. Um, it didn't look, it didn't feel like a 60-point victory. and I, Oh, it was. That, <laughs> but, but that's what I mean. That's actually... 
the gulf of difference. I don't like Billy mentioned after the game that you know that that's the performance that they wanted. That could have been seventy or eighty. I thought Elian played as well as they possibly could. That and they, they, that's they not had being a good horrible. Defense. You're saying all that, and they had a good defense, Jim. You said they were physical in defense. They for the first twenty minutes they were. I mean, I think it might have been twenty minutes after that. You know, I spoke to Kelly Brown. And we were chatting about it in the lead-up or whatever. He's obviously left Glasgow and now Glasgow are flying. He's gone to Sarri's and he's on the pitch line with his mask on. He's, he's all over doing the media, which is great. We're getting a bit of insight from them. But I think naturally they were worried about that game. Of course they were. There could have been a red card. Um, anything could have happened. But on paper, you should be winning 60-0 against Ealing. Really, shouldn't you? They had nothing apart from an amazing defence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not being sarcastic so. either. Like, as in, in in the tackle, they in the tackle where they were tackling Billy, tackling Mako, Swino got banned back about ten times. Swino made M O M. Was Swino yeah. not man of the match? Yeah, he was. Yeah, but that was I think Flatman or <laughs> Topsy Ojo gave him just to take uh, the piss out of me. He was very good. And this is the big thing. Obviously, listen, Saracens got relegated for the reasons that we all know about. Well, Ealing are by far and away the best team outside of Saracens in that champo. If Ealing played Worcester who have won one game all year, the first game of the season, I think they'd have been super competitive. So, it, you know, you're playing a team that's broken the salary cap for six years on the, on the spin, got British Lions galore in their squad and internationals everywhere else. It's never going to be a close scoreline, is it, when there's something as serious as promotion on the line. So, um, yeah, Saracens were, were dominant um, with the team they picked. Farrell looked like a 14-year-old boy with his cap on kicking in the warm-up, but played pretty well. And we're going to see Sarri's back in the Prem next year with, um, you know, just check the wage cap. That's all I'm saying. Well, let's have a quick look at the Pro 14 as well. What's going on with the Rainbow Cup, Jim? Because Benetton went straight through to the final against the Bulls this weekend after their game against Ospreys was cancelled because of COVID. Yeah, Benetton flying the flag, unbeaten this year. So fair play to them on home soil against the Bulls. Um, Looking at the stuff around the Bulls coming up, they've had to be vaccinated I don't know whether they've got to go via different, a couple of different places in Europe. Uh, Stevie Ferris, friend of the show, is going to be over there uh, co-commentating. Is it going to happen? I think it is going to happen. I, th- I think, you know, Jake White's over there. Yeah, well, Jake White's over there, director of rugby, read some stuff saying that everything's in place for them to go. Whether or not they take their full squad over or they'll leave some of their South African players over. Um, sorry, whether or not they take their full squad over or leave some of the South African, the higher profiles at home. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. We, we are yet to see the South African teams play against a Premiership or, as we've seen now, a Pro 14 team. And that's always been the hope, hasn't it, that we'd see a little bit of cross-pollination between South Africa and the Pro 14. It's been in the works for a while. The Rainbow Cup never took off. Uh, for Benetton, it's in Italy. It's a huge game. Will there be fans? I'm not too sure. It's going to be a tough travel for the Blue Bulls, um, but they're a quality team. I've, I've seen bits of the South African rugby. So, mate, the, the South Africans, the, it is what it is. Big, physical, hard blokes. So I think it's hopefully, if it goes well and it's a good product, we're going to see more of that next season. So I think for the Pro 14, the evolution of that, for the Rainbow Cup, big shout out to Benetton. It's, uh, it's huge for them. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, should we have a look at the Roman Mill? Go on then. Mike Ford has been pushed. He's gone from Leicester to make way for Kevin Sinfield, apparently, joining from Leeds Rhinos. Sinfield to Tigers. Huge news. Any other rumours flying around? My favourite. I hope it happens. After failing to get to the Trans-Tasman Super Rugby Final, 
we ain't seeing no disco dancing from or break dancing from Scotty Robertson. He's going to bring it to Bath. I'm hearing he might be bringing it to Bath. That's all I want. I'd love Scotty Robertson doing the Bath DOR job and then making him break dance in the wreck when the pitch is about four foot underwater. That'd be unbelievable to watch, wouldn't it? He is a man that could bring out the Hoover and be dancing around with a Hoover and stuff like that <laughs> and make it look unbelievably cool. I'd love to see that bloke. I'd love to see Scotty Robertson come over uh, to the UK. He's obviously at some point in line to take the All Blacks job whenever that time comes. It seems like you have to be about 85 before you part company with the All Blacks. Well, their job's up this year. They ain't changing that, though, are they? Is it the same narrative in New Zealand with the All Blacks, Andy Rowe, with us talking about players and Eddie's like, no, whatever them jokers say on the rugby pod, it ain't happening. When we're and everyone else is bigging up Scotty Robertson for doing the breakdancing, is it the same thing? They're like, no, we're not having this bloke. So Scott Robertson is like the Sam Simmons. I don't think New Zealand are changing Fozzie, Ian Foster, before the World Cup two years out. He's staying in are that job. Are you mates with him? No, just his, it's his nickname, isn't it? Gats told me his, his name's Fozzie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mate, I I think he will stay in the job to the World Cup. You might see Scott Robertson sign a two-year deal with Bath. Please let Scott Robertson come to the, the Premiership and take over the reins at Bath. And then Scott Robertson, at some point, he's destined to be the All Blacks coach, isn't he? There was something out there about George Ford leaving Leicester. Interesting. To Montpellier. Um, it was interesting seeing him in the stands at the weekend. Could you see him leaving his dad and heading to Montpellier, which I've seen a rumour somewhere. And again, yeah, these are rumours. This ain't me making up. I've just seen something. Let's just say he's got he's gone. <laughs> well <laughs> the only other place you could see him go to in the Prem really is Sale. Uh dependent on AJ McGinty. But I can't see George Ford leaving England and leaving Leicester to go to play in France a year before the World Cup. But I think he's off contract at the end of next season, so uh watch this space with that one. Right, should we finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly? Let's. We're going to start off in France. Uh, we're going to start off in Paris. And Racing 92 get a mention in the good this week. They absolutely dismantled their neighbours, Stade Francais, 38-21 in the La Défense Arena in their barrage game. Um, staying in France, and Bordeaux beat Clermont in the other barrage game this weekend, 25-16. Matthew Jallibert played exceptionally well at 10. They've reached their first top 14 semi-final, so tip the slipper to Christophe Urios, who I reckon wears his glasses upside down and, you know, he's he makes me look slim, but he is a hell of a coach, what he's done at the clubs he's been at previously. Oyanat, and then obviously heading over to Cast and now Moneybags Bordeaux. So they've set themselves up with a semi-final this weekend against Toulouse. And they'll feel a little bit hard done by there, I think, because if you th- go back to the Champions Cup semi-final, they played in that game against Toulouse and the Toulouse hooker, Marchand, should have been sent off. He got banned, didn't he? Wayne Barnes missed it. Had that have happened, they'd seen the red card, it could have changed the game. So an interesting week ahead in France for them, but tip the slipper to Bordeaux for making their first top 14 semi-final. We're going to stay in France for another bit of good. I love the French. I know I love the going. French. Allez, allez, allez. It's not about the game. The game was absolutely dog. It was a six-all anti-climax. The promotion-relegation game of the top 14, it was local rivals, Biarritz, going against their nearest and dearest, Bayonne. And those two clubs, my goodness, did they hate each other. But Biarritz promoted to the top 14, and specifically, Stefan Armitage. Oh, my nudge. Slots the winning kick. It ends up six-all after extra time. It goes to a penalty shootout. Stefan Armitage. It looks like he's lost a, a fair bit of timber, to be fair to him. He's about 36 years of age now. He slotted a kick to take Biarritz into the top 14, relegate Bayonne. I mean, tell the pay rise that once you've done that for your club. My Unbelievable goodness, scenes. Mate. Unbelievable scenes. So fair play to Stefan Armitage. Um, 
We mentioned them just previously. We're going over to Benetton in Italy. Uh, they didn't play this weekend. They had the game cancelled against the Ospreys due to COVID, but they got awarded the points to make them champions of the European League of the Rainbow Cup. And they go to the final. So a big tip of the slipper to Benetton. Uh, sticking with the Rainbow Cup, we're going to tip the slipper to the Bulls as well. They beat my old team, the Sharks, 34-22 to make the final. So looking forward to that one. Um, let's go to the Premiership then, shall we? And we'll, we'll mention Bath in the good this week. They beat Saints to qualify for the Champions Cup. Again, they had to win to guarantee it. And they did. So congrats to them. Exeter. 14-man comeback to get the home semi-final against Sale. They looked at one point like they were going to lose and concede four tries potentially and then have to go away to Sale next week. But Stu Townsend, again, mentioned him last week, used to have a horror lid, but he came on and really was a bit of a catalyst to help Exeter beat Sale and qualify as second in the league and get the home semi-final. So tip the slipper to them. Uh, Got to get an old club of mine into the good. Of course we do every week. Tigers. Old club of mine, Jim. Uh, they get a mention in the goo this week, winning at the Rico Arena for the first time since their very first visit there back in 2015. Hell of a performance by them. Good way to finish the season. But the goo this week, we're going to stay with the Leicester theme. And Jim, this is a man that you'll know as well. The goo this week is going to Doc Newey, who yeah. for people that watch the games on BT Sport, you'll see the doctor with the flat cap coming on the field for Leicester Tigers. He's Leicester Tigers, or he has been Leicester Tigers matchday doctor for the last 20 years. So uh, a brilliant amount of service. Uh, Dr. Flatcap, Dr. Newey, as they call him, uh, an absolute legend of the game as well. So he's retired at the weekend. Hell of a stint. So Doc Newey, you get the good this week. He's definitely better than Dr. Muckle, who had to put a suppository up my bum. Uh, Dr. Muckle was awful, wasn't he? Bless him. Well, let's be honest, he was, but he did me a good favour. He did. And he also cut one of Austin Healy's piles out with some scissors as well, yeah. Do you remember when he cut, he, he cut one of Austin's piles out with some scissors? Yeah, horrible. horrible. Austin had horrible piles. That's hilarious. You've just stitched up Austin there. Love him. Uh, the bad. Um, let's go to Claremont. They choked again, Jim. Knockout oh, rugby. Claremont never choked. Is. You said it a few weeks ago, didn't you? They choke in knockout games and they've done it again away at Bordeaux. Absolutely shocking performance, I thought, at times. Uh, discipline was poor. Uh, what else was bad? Ealing Trailblazers taking 60 uh, in the first leg of the final. Never good. Defence was good, though. Defence was good, according to Jim Hamilton. What else was bad? The idiots who broke in again and vandalised Ampthill's club and first-team pitch, the dugouts, the tower where they record the games from and all the sponsorship advertising boards. What are you doing, people? The absolute idiots that have done that have to get a mention of the bad and um, you know thoughts with Amptill Rugby Club. It's not the first time. It won't be the last. Unfortunately, there are some absolute scumbags Helmets. around that, yeah, that keep doing that. So uh, that's not good. Uh, but the bad this week is some really sad news um, and the news of the death of former Gloucester Centre and England Sevens International, Jack Adams, who we found out last week had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, unfortunately, he lost his life and his battle over the weekend, and he leaves a loving family, three children and a wife. Um, a, a real quick battle, unfortunately, with with cancer. And our thoughts from everyone at the Rugby Pod go, and the whole of the rugby world actually go to his family and friends and everyone that's been affected by it. Um, He was diagnosed with terminal cancer and passed away over the weekend and the RPA have set up a fundraising page to support his family and a local charity that he 
wanted to support as well. So you can find out more information at justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash support Jack Adams. So um, some really bad news there from the rugby world and uh, we wish his family and friends all the best. Yeah, I think on that note as well, Goody, it's really hard. Like you can hear you trying to contextualise it and get through the detail of how people can donate. And it's one of them where what can you say? Like how, how do you say it or you know, what can you do and and these things. And his brother, Joe, was the one who broke the news today being uh, Monday, the day we record the podcast. And I messaged Joe just privately, obviously, and said how sorry and how difficult it must be and that we're all thinking of him. And, you know, he said that the family are overwhelmed by the outpouring of emotion and affection uh, towards Jack and his family but yeah our thoughts go out to everyone who knew Jack and obviously his nearest and dearest it's just tragic it's just you, you can't put it into words yeah definitely uh, and then the ugly this week only one bit of ugly we mentioned it earlier Sam Skinner's hit on Fafta Clerk shoulder to the head uh, he's probably going to get a ban for the next few weeks that probably rules him out of the semi-final and final but we'll wait and see on that um, so that wins the ugly this week Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube and head on over to Spotify. And we'll see you there. Ruby Pod. Spotter Pod, 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 Pod. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.